Welcome to Fertile Minds Radio. Here you'll find wisdom for your fertility journey and beyond, chosen specifically to help you trust your body and elevate your spirit so you can enjoy the process. Join us and see what a fertile mind feels like. Now your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland. Hey there, Hillary here, your go-to gal for a plan to reclaim your fertility and create a healthy family for generations to come. We have an amazing guest today, Denise Wiesner. She is a fellow acupuncturist and a fellow of the American Board of Oriental Medicine. She's the founder of Natural Healing and Acupuncture Clinic in West Los Angeles, and she's an internationally recognized traditional Chinese medicine practitioner specializing in whole systems Chinese medicine and approach to women's health, sexuality, and fertility. She has been at this work since 1994, so she really is a wealth of information when it comes to balancing the body naturally in order to enhance the fertility of a couple, all while helping them to keep their spark and loving connection. Her approach uses a combination of acupuncture, diet and lifestyle counseling, nutritional supplements, Chinese herbs, and Taoist breathing and fertility exercises. She has just published a book, Conceiving with Love, a whole body approach to creating intimacy, reigniting passion, and increasing fertility. And she has graciously taken the time out of her busy schedule to come on the show and let you know some tips and tricks to help keep love alive while you are trying to conceive. Denise, welcome to the show. So happy to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have to say your book is awesome. One of my patients was um, in Colorado for some IVF procedures. And she just happened upon the publishing house for Shambhala. And she texted me and said, do you know this book? And I said, I don't even think it was out yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's like, it's amazing. You have to read it. So that's why you're here today. Oh. A little serendipitous act upon one of my patients. Well, that's, that's lovely. That's lovely. So I feel like acupuncture isn't one of those careers that every little girl dreams of doing, nor is being a sex therapist. So I'm really curious, how did you come to this world? <laughs> <laughs> really, in terms of the, the conceiving, I was having my own issues conceiving my second child. And I went to see a lot of different acupuncturists. And, you know, I went to see a naturopath, a Western medical doctor. And, you know, at the time I was having difficulty breathing, I was having some asthma and, you know, they just wanted to work on my asthma. And I kept thinking, gosh, I, I just want to make a baby. Like, don't you understand? <laughs> so, uh, right. right? And, and nobody really caught on that I was having some types of, uh, I was having a thyroid issue. And at that point I, I did get pregnant and had to, um, it was a very faint line and it was a chemical pregnancy and I was freezing and I went to my doctor and I was like, test my thyroid. <laughs> and he did. And, and I found out I had low thyroid. So that was sort of the impetus for being, you know, doing fertility. And then the, the sexual piece, um, I have to clarify, I'm not a sex therapist, but I do, I'm a, a certified sex coach, but I found that I was talking to all my patients who were trying to conceive and it seemed like nobody was having sex. And if they were, it was really kind of strained. And I would deal with couples and I'd mention, you know, about sexuality and they were like, oh yeah, baby making sex. And then the husband would turn to the wife and the wife would look at me. <laughs> and, I, and I just realized there was a whole world of intimacy that wasn't really being addressed in the world of fertility. So I kind of tried to marry the two. I think that's great. I see the same thing in many of my patients, especially if the challenge has gone on for any amount of time in terms of the intimacy. Yeah. And 
so often they're not talking about it. It's like the elephant yeah, in the room. It, I think there's just so much shame around the topic of sexuality, right? I mean, you know, it's a very, very, if, if fertility is private, which it is for a lot of people, right? Then sexuality is even more mm-hmm. private. <laughs> so, 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 uh, you know, nobody has anyone to talk to. I think, I, I think people don't know where to go to, to speak about this because, you know, you don't want to tell like your best friend that your husband's having a problems getting erection. So you have to do an IVF, right? Um, and, and, right. And so right. you don't, and then you don't, the fertility doctors, I, mean, I interviewed many of them and they're so gracious and wonderful, but they're not really talking about it either. Some are, but not, you know, they, their, their solution is, you know, well, we can do an IVF and, or an, an insemination and, and that's, you know, sometimes a great solution, but nobody's addressing kind of the underlying problem. Right. Right. And that's, I find that with a lot of the reproductive endocrinologists is the amazing gift that they have to help couples conceive is not really holistic in nature. Like they're not looking for the underlying problems or, you know, the quality of life issues. Like, cause if you are having trouble being intimate and having sex mm-hmm. before the baby, guess what's going to happen after right, the baby? Right. The baby right. It's even worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think it's brilliant to address that now. And we're going to go into some of that in great detail, but your book just does such an excellent job of describing the five element theory of Chinese medicine, um, specifically how it pertains to fertility. I was hoping that you could briefly kind of go through that and why it's important. And this kind of harkens back to what you were talking about, you know, the acupuncturist wanting to treat your lungs and your asthma or the metal element. And you're thinking, what? Just give me a baby, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I, I I took a lot of liberties with the five elements because I really decided that there was really nothing on intimacy, and and so I bridged it with how do we take care of ourselves holistically, and how do we equate that into into what kind of like lover we are, sort of speak. So really, just how do we open the dialogue about sexuality was my biggest point. So uh, I I started with the center. I did a Taoist model of the five elements where Earth is at the center, and Earth is kind of this idea of being present in the body and communication and our digestion and how we assimilate, right? And so people that are earth types or have an imbalance in, the, in, this, in this element oftentimes seek the approval of others. And they're really, they over-worry and they overthink, right? And no, no, <laughs> this is so common with fertility patients, right? Over-worrying, worrying. What if it doesn't work? What if, you know, um, I, I don't have a baby? What if I don't get pregnant with this IVF? So there's a lot of worrying. And there's also this idea of how we show up in our bodies, how we feel in our bodies, right? Um, what our diet's like, how, how our microbiome is, right? The, 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 the beneficial bacteria of our gut or how the microbiome is in our vagina because we have a separate microbiome there, right? How's the flora and fauna? Do we get frequent yeast infections? Are we eating a lot of sugar? So this idea of the earth element really is about being present in the body and communicating and feeling good in our body feeling like if we don't feel good in our body, we don't want to have, we really probably don't want our partner to see us. <laughs> we don't want to be naked. <laughs> right? right. So how do, how do we nourish right. this element? So that's, that's, and then it's goes even further in, in, in what kind of lover we are. So do we just try to please our partner and we don't really ask for what we need because we're, we're a giver, we're an earth mama. We want to take care of everything, but we don't get our needs met. So, and that could be more than just lovemaking, but you know, how do we, and how do we feel in our body? So that's pretty much just the brief synopsis of the earth element. You had this quote in there about the, that I pertain, like I took 
relevance to the fire element. And you said connecting to your heart allows you to trust your spiritual journey of procreation, even when it's fraught with uncertainty, even when you have no idea whether you will ever have a child. And I just love that. And I was wondering if you can talk about the connection of the fire and water elements, you know, water being reproduction and fire really being our heart center and community and how we connect and community and how we connect and why that's so important. Yeah, there's um, in Chinese medicine, as you know, there's this extraordinary vessel called the Chong Meridian, right? And it is this extraordinary vessel that connects our heart energies with our re- our kidney energies or the water element, our reproductive energies, right? So the, the kidney energies are our reproduction and, and our sexuality. It's that fire in our loins that says, yes, let, you know, let's make a baby, right? <laughs> And, and, and the element is not, you know, working and it's all its abundance, right? Because, because wanting to conceive is that energy, right? It's like that, oof, yes, let's, let's, we love each other. Let's make a baby. But it's also connected to the fire element, which is the spiritual heart, which is love, which is in, in, in my book, the heart element and, you know, Chinese medicine also goes to the mind, but it's, it's that beautiful, like looking into your partner's eyes and, and kissing with the tongue, which the tongue opens to the heart. It's deep passion, deep intimacy. And this energy connects with the kidney energy, the water element. So it's water and fire. Uh, and they have, to be in, they have to be working together, right? It's love that makes a baby. It's that love energy that drops into the lower burner, the lower energies, you know, the kidney energy that makes, that makes us conceive. You're right for, you know, just wanting to go on and in our cells uh, continuing to reproduce themselves. You mentioned Taoist practices or Taoist uh, traditions, which I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with traditional Chinese medicine if they've listened to the show, because we bring it in here and there. Um, But a lot of people aren't really familiar with what Taoism is or what it means and how it relates to Chinese medicine. So could you speak to that a little bit just to clarify? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Um, Taoism is the is what Chinese medicine came from. So the the Taoists um, way back in the day before Confucian Confucianism came into to the, the planet really connected with nature. So they lived their lives according to the rhythms of of nature, right? So we have the night time, which is the in Chinese medicine, we say the yin time, the dark time, the feminine time going inside. And then we have the, the yang time, the fire element, you know, um, the sunshine, you know, going outside the male energy. And they have this idea that the, of, the, of the, like the Tai Chi symbol, the yin yang symbol, that, that black and white circle thing everyone talks about. Uh, this idea of having them always in balance, feminine and masculine in balance. And in the you know, ancient times, they had practices to help create balance, to help live in, in, in flow with nature, to also, that also created lovemaking. You know, they had this idea of feminine um, males are supposed to boil, like they're ready to go, and females are really slow. And this idea, you know, that's yin and yang again. And that idea of creating balance is letting the feminine lead. So in, in Taoism, a lot, the feminine would, the feminine energy would lead. And there would be, you know, the males would wait for the feminine to be, let's say, aroused. And I'm using sexuality as an example, but, you know, it's way more than sexuality. But this idea of cultivating, it was this idea of cultivating our energies. How do we cultivate and balance our energies so that everything's in balance, like nature, right? That formed Chinese medicine as we know it. 
Awesome. Thank you for explaining that for all those that didn't know. Um, I think because I think that's such an important part, right? And that's when people say, well, how does Chinese medicine work? And I say, it gets you back in line with nature and your surroundings mm. so that you can go with the flow, that's quite literally. Better. <laughs> better explanation. No, I, well, I think it's important for what we're talking about, you know, that the yin and the yang, it's those have become terms that are thrown around. But unless, you know, you've studied deeply, like you don't quite understand, you know, some of the intricacies and that the yin does lead, right? And that it is up to the woman to to really kind of, mm-hmm. you know, drive that cart, so to speak. Um, so you hear that, women? It's up to you to set the stage. <laughs> Not a bad thing, right? Right. Absolutely. And we, we do that with, you know, just a lot of times showing and communicating and yin is the re- receiver. I think that's also really important too, is that we receive, right? And fertility world that I work in, I pr- you probably could relate. Um, most of the women are doing so much, right? They're doing everything to have a baby and, and, and you know, they just want to do more. Like what else can oh, I yeah. do? And sometimes it's not so much about the doing as it is about the receiving. Right. Yeah. It's never, what does Randy Lewis say? Baby's never yeah, achieved. Yeah. She's received or he or she has received. You know, you have to go in that yin valley. Yes. Yes. That's very true. So yeah. So th- from that place of receiving is, is where, you know, we drop in. Right. And that's, it's difficult. I think when you've been, you know, women that are, you know, of childbearing age right now are kind of raised in a society of try to live in a man's world. Right. So they've been, they've kind of indoctrinated themselves into go, go, go and had a very young lifestyle. And so it almost seems foreign when you tell them like, Hey, you need to slow down and you, you are actually guiding this, but you know, you need to be a little softer about it. Right. That might help you. <laughs> and it's so, it's so interesting because how this affects the relationship, because we're talking about intimacy in a relationship is men who is their, you know, their, their young nature of sort of like coming and fixing things and, you know, being that sort of energy. And, and, you know, this could be, we're talking about male, female relationships, but it's often in same sex too, right? There's a dominant young person or a yin person or however. So it, it's not just in the heterosexual relationships, but in, in that masculine feminine energy dance, which we all do, that males oftentimes in my practice uh, specifically feel sort of impotent, literally, on what to do because the females are doing so much and they would like to do, but they don't know what to do. And, you know, and their big job, their big moment is that, you know, to like do the ejaculation. And, and so that you're right. And, and for them, they want to connect right. too, and they want to have intimacy. And so they're, they can't fix it. And then they, then maybe they have this big pressure on this one moment and they, they have, it's difficult for the men as well as, as well as the females. Do you, do you see a lot of men in your practice? I happen to see a lot of men in my practice. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And they are amazing. And they really tell me so much. They really inform me. They really are open, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed with my male patients. Well, you know, it takes two to tango, but I think that that kind of, I'm going to do everything I can. And then I, I don't want to bother my husband until I absolutely have to model that I see happening sometimes as the males, they don't come for treatment as often as they should. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there wondering, like, how do they, how do they have that conversation in a tactful way to get their husband on board to come to something like acupuncture if it's foreign to them? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, if they know they're going to have more intimacy with their wives. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. 
if they're going to, you know, get, get more pleasure out of the whole experience, I bet a lot of men will be down, right? I mean, if, like, if it's going to make their, make their connection better and, and, and make their wife happier. I mean, men usually will, yeah, that, that, that's what they, you know, they're, they're about like taking care of the feminine males, male energy is taking care of the feminine energy. So I, I, I think that, yeah, more intimacy, more connection. I think that's a way for, you know, that's a way to a, a man as opposed to, you know, you might, you might, you have to take these herbs, you have to do this. And I think men want to have baby, you know, most men, a lot of men want to conceive as well. And they want their wives to be happy and they want to be connected. Yeah, for sure. But they just don't talk about it at nauseam like we do. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so your book has all these amazing Taoist exercises, I should say, in there for lovemaking. So what's what's a simple one you could share with our audience if they were, say, going to practice and be like, hey, you'll get more of this, perhaps, if you go to the acupuncturist? <laughs> Um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about some really basic things right now because there's, I could, it's hard to explain like microcosmic orbit breathing. You really need instruction. You need the book for that. And, you know, um, I think what happens with couples is just the simple things go by the wayside, like full body hugs, you know, this idea of, you know, in Taoism or actually I use some Tantra stuff too, where, you know, uh, there's the yab yum practice where a, a female will sit in a male's lap you know, and maybe they connect their energy centers, you know, with them, but boiling it down, mm -hmm. I would ask the questions of when's the last time you had a full body naked hug, like for a long time. And when's the last time you did eye gazing? So, you know, just really looking at your partner in the eye is so intimate, right? It just, just, yeah, just this idea of connecting energies. And then, you know, in addition, when's the last time you made out, you know, connecting the heart energies, the tongue energies. These, these things are, uh, it just, when people are trying to have a baby, it's like, okay, come on, <laughs> let's get down to it. it it's the, that intimacy of connection, of deep hugs, deep kissing, you know, and, and, and yes, there's lots of Taoist practices, but just breathing together where we breathe, we just match each other's breath and we just sit there across from each other, look in the eyes. We could even put a hand on a hand on the heart energies and just look at the, your beloved and, and, and really look into their eyes. Sometimes that's just very hard to do because we're we're so you know we don't have a lot of time and it's hard to be really that intimate. Well, yeah, because fertility becomes that job on top of your other jobs, and you're always you know giving to do lists of what to do. Or at least this is what I observe in some of my patients, and they're not slowing down. And that's you know that's why the show has a big emphasis on mindfulness. And one of the huge reasons I wanted to have you on after I read your book was just how great. How, what a great job you did of driving home that that's so important to be present. And it's so often things, you know, we get away from that. We get into these ruts. And I think just looking one another in the eye, it can bring up so much, but it's stuff that needs to rise to the surface, right? I made my husband try the, uh, the three-minute hug. <laughs> Close on, close, you know, not not to be too TMI, but I said, you know, hey, before you leave, we should start a, we should start just hugging for three minutes. I mean, and it's funny because I don't think we make it more than ninety seconds without giggling or one of us, you know, saying something that, and it, it is like foreplay, like you say in your book, that is well before the action actually happens later, right? It's just kind of planting that seed, if you will, for later, and that that's been really helpful. I think he really likes it. I've been reading this book. <laughs> 
I've gotten that. I, I, I've gotten that from a lot of a lot of patients that are even trying to have a baby. That it's really reignited the passion in in their relationship because there's a lot of even if you're not trying to conceive, there's so many great you know just to bring the bring back the passion for couples because it's hard to keep it you know it's hard to keep it up haha all the time yeah. right it's, it's it is and there's a whole section in my book um foreplay all like it's sort of you like you know this idea that it be, kind of begins in the morning because you do set the stage for what's going to happen it's, women we we want connection we want to be able to feel you know it's not just like at that moment you know now we have to perform it's really like you know do we say really nice things to our partner you know do we text them something nice during the day i mean what's the communication all day we're we're all so busy sometimes it's it's hard to to do that yeah right we take that for granted and i think that that's such an important part of the relationship to foster to be good parents to have that alive and well before the child gets here cuz Man, you need that connection. Absolutely. You need to be unified front <laughs> once the baby comes, right? So I'm wondering because you treat a lot of men because this is something that I've been, you know, thinking about for quite some time. And then, you know, they had the the World Conference on Reproductive Endocrinology where they finally all in consensus said, like, oh yeah, this isn't just like a natural pattern that's happening, but men's sperm counts mm-hmm. and their motility is is falling and at an alarming rate. You know, it was the first time that it was kind of this like grim output for, you know, for humans in terms of reproducing without something like IVF, you know, what do you think about that? Cause I know that there was, I've actually had some male patients bring me the GQ article that was written about it where oh, wow. they were like, Oh, now I'm listening. Cause it was in GQ. What's your opinion about why sperm rates are dropping so drastically across the planet? I think I think that's such a good point, and, and I just on on that on that note, I had a reproductive endocrinologist that was talking, and he was and he he said he was like, oh yeah, one day it's going to be like you have sex for for you know for recreation, and then you go to the fertility doctor and have your baby. And I thought, wow, that's really you know that's that's a sad commentary on our our naturalness, so to speak. But I think that's what's happening is that we're very out of sync. You know, we have this huge technological boom where everybody's on their cell phones and there's a cell phone in the pocket. And we have a lot of environmental problems, I think, that we're not even probably aware of, you know, the amount of pesticides and like, like whether they have DDD in our, it's in people's fat tissue. And that has to play a role in, in sperm and eggs, right? And just the amount of environmental toxins that, you know, even if it's not in this generation, we're in generations before that it's hard for our bodies to get rid of. And so I think there's that plus this, you know, sort of, I, and there must be some kind of stress level that's happening. Um, but it's not just from the men from now. It's like what happened, you know, when they were conceived, right? Because I'm having, I ha- I'm having all sorts of men right now with very low sperm counts right. and the doctors don't know why. Right. This unexplained male infertility, I think, is becoming even bigger than unexplained female infertility. Really unexplained low sperm, like really low sperm counts. And, and you know, taking all the tests, it's not genetic, or we don't know enough about genetics right now to know, because there maybe are some genetic problems going on. But yeah, I think I, it's got to be, it's got to be some type of environmental toxins is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't. Have you ever listened to Dr. Zach Bush talk about pesticides and GMOs and how that's affecting fertility? No, but I'm sure. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. I would agree because it, it is. It is, and we're only getting worse. We're not getting any better. I wonder sometimes with women and maybe with men as well, uh, the hormone disruptors. 
and how they play a, a role in male fertility as well. So, you know, I mean, you know, birth control is how many years old? I don't, it's not that, it's not that old, but you know, women have, you know, are peeing, we, we pee out all of our hormones and that goes into our environment somewhere, <laughs> you know, that urine goes somewhere. Right. It's not, it's, I think it's in the water. I mean, and right. I, we can't I know get our it water out of the water. for yeah. that. Uh, we don't, we test for, we do, you know, in, in my city, they test for all sorts of things, pesticides, heavy right. metals, all <laughs> these good things, but they don't test for hormones. And I wonder when I drink some of the, you know, if I'm drinking tap water by mistake, uh, I wonder what, what are there hormones in here? I don't know. Right. Or SSRIs or other things that affect fertility. Correct. Yes. SSRIs. So many of these medications, I wonder what's in the water I'm drinking. Berkey filters. If you don't have one, grab one. That's what the Peace Corps uses. Yeah, we have filters. We have filters, but I'll have to I'll have to keep that one in mind. I have a filter in my office and one in my house, and but it's still, you know. So do you think the stress aspect is what is keeping the libido low? Because I mean, that's, I asked that in my questionnaires and I ask if the male doesn't come, there's a part about like, tell me about your partner. And that's almost always checked when there's some fertility issues. And, and I have to wonder if, if it was the chicken or the egg, right? When there's fertility problems, like which came first? Yeah, I'd say like 95% of my women check low libido. And, and it's such an interesting thing because for, for women, because I have to inquire much more about what that means. You know, do they have low libido or is it really not enough time to be aroused? Because it takes like 20 to 45 minutes for a woman to become fully aroused where all her t- tissues engorge with blood and she's ready to have intercourse, right? And I don't know that we have that kind of time because of stress, because stress, there's so much stress in life, right? It's like you come home, if a, if a woman's working, it's like, I know when I come home and my mind's still like, a, you know, thinking about things I have to do, it's not really in my body. I'm not feeling my sexy self. I'm not feeling like, you know, I have to unwind all that, right? And get in the mood. And, and it is, I think we have such a stressful, you know, with communication and we have, you know, there's a thousand emails I have to look at, right? And and we are going at such a fast pace, it's hard to slow down to get into our body. So I do think stress plays a huge role. And then on that note, with males, and, and with females too, like some of the SSRIs actually prevent men from ejaculating, you know, and, and it sometimes prevents women from having an orgasm. So we have that level, right, where we're taking stuff for our stress, and then it's causing more problems. So uh, there's other solutions for that. But I mean, I don't take my patients off their SSRIs, but they're given so easy these days. You know, they're just sort of everyone's given one. So I do think stress is a huge, huge problem in libido. Absolutely. It takes time. It takes nurturing. It takes quiet. It takes feeling the body, just getting touched, right? It's all those things. We're sensuousness. You know, it's not just sex. It's just like being sensual with one another, feeling the senses, cooking, smelling, touching, tasting. That's part of the dance of, you know, of, of, of sexuality. And people are so stressed out, they're forgetting about that. Well, don't you think it really comes down to presence, though? I mean, that's when you, when you involve all of those, your five senses. You're, you're, you're in the moment, right? You're there. You're not answering your email in your head. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. And, and that's where you were talking about mindfulness. And I think that's so important, right? It's, it's, it's learning how to be here now as my, um, one of my, um, mentor, like not mentors, but spiritual teachers, Ram Das, all, you know, his book, be here now. It's so like, you know, there was a watch that says, you know, now <laughs> like, like reminder, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah. Like, cause my mind does it too, right? It goes right into the future and I'm worried and like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. That future thinking, I think I'm like permanently recovering from that. I, I do. I do love Ram Dass though. I mean, I think Polishing the Mirror was his greatest book yet. And, and I look at him, you know, he's in a wheelchair and he is paralyzed in half of his body and, and he smiles, he looks you in the eye and he's, you know, I'm sure he has his thing, but I'm always inspired by people who, in the face of obstacles and difficulty, are able to really fully be present and really fully be there. I, you know, I, I, I so, you know, even with fertility or whatever's going on, it's, you know, reminder, all, you know, for myself as well, you know, be in the moment, be in the moment, drop into the moment. Yeah, he talks about that, about how humbling it was when he got sick and he all of a sudden he had people mm-hmm. taking care of him and he wasn't, he felt, he wasn't the man anymore. <laughs> you know, here he was like, here, I thought I was enlightened, right? And now I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm down low. And I, I just thought that was such a great part that anybody can relate to, especially with fertility, because somewhere in our wiring, I think we get it that this is like the one thing we're supposed to do. And when we can't do that, I think it colors everything else. Oh, yeah. It's like this feeling of being broken. Like there's something wrong with me, you know, or I can't do this thing I'm supposed to do. I mean, I have women that, um, you know, really having hard times with it. And I am so, so much compassion for that, you know, and how do we find a way to enjoy our lives in the midst of struggle, in the midst when things don't go the way we'd like them to, in the midst when we're arguing with our partner, how do we how do we drop into love? You know, how do we remember what's really important? I have this great exercise. I have to share this because Kia Miller, who's a yoga teacher, shared it with me. And um, I think it was like Yogi Bhajan uh, gave it to, um, the founder of Kundalini gave it to an, another Kundalini doc uh, pr- practitioner. And she said, when you're mad at your partner, mm-hmm. you spread your legs, you go upside down and you hold hands upside down and you sing your, what you're upset about. <laughs> <laughs> we get upset about so many things, myself included. And you know, what's really, really important is to return to love, right? It's so important to return to that energy of love, love of self, love of, of your partner, love, the love right. energy that sort of really is dictates why we're here, I think, and why we want to have kids. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I agree. I might try that one with my teenager. Okay. <laughs> He'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> But, you know, people don't like the, the emotion of anger, right? We're, we're scared to, to sense and feel anger coming at us. So if you can lighten it up a bit and still allow your anger, I think that's brilliant. Right. And Chinese medicine talks about that in like the wood element, right? That we're supposed to feel our emotions and, you know, and, and, and you know, obviously not be abusive with them, but, but to feel them. And it's okay to feel anger sometimes if that's the emotion, right? It's okay to feel all the emotions as long as we don't stay with them forever in a day. Right. The wood element. Also important for feeling orgasm, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Passion. Absolutely. Yeah. So lots of, you know, babies are made via IVF now, but I love that you pointed out how one couple had to use donor sperm and then they, you know, they kind of literally brought it into their own, took it in their own hands to and did it at home because they wanted to have orgasm when they were trying to make this baby out of love, right? <laughs> That was this, um, yeah, amazing same-sex couple that I interviewed. They were incredible. They just told me the story I was trying to figure out about sexuality and same-sex couples and how um, how it, it works there. And they were like, "Oh yeah, we had the most sex ever because this man would give us this sperm. He'd leave it for us, and then we we put it in, and then we 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 knew that like an orgasm afterwards is really really important. So 
<laughs> we, we would give each other one and, and, uh, and that, and they ended up doing IVF, but just the story of just how this, this you know, the, the journey of how this baby was made was so great. Yeah. That, that having an orgasm after an, an, an this was an, an cervical insemination was really potent for them. Uh, it was, yeah, just great. And how, you know, having orgasm, it's an upsuck theory. Sometimes if we can is a really, is really wonderful, but it's not essential. You know, one doesn't have to have one. Right. But it, it could help, right? Because it's pretty powerful to get that sperm where it needs to go. And, and you're happy at the end of it, even if it doesn't work. <laughs> right? And I think, you know, I've, I've, I've taught a lot of, I teach a lot of um, young women. I have a lot of young women in my practice. And, you know, a lot of women don't know even to talk about what kind of orgasm, you know, like having an orgasm, like one woman was having an orgasm just with a vibrator, but her partner with vaginal sex didn't give her a orgasm. And she was like so afraid she thought there's something wrong with her. And I was like, Oh no, you know, a lot of women don't, don't orgasm with, uh, you know, with vaginal intercourse. Sometimes they need a little extra clitoral stimulation and it's okay to ask your partner, you know, for, for that. And just the mention of all these words, right. People are looking at me <laughs> just to have that dialogue where we're talking about the clitoris and, you know, the penis and, you know, it's, imp- I think it's, imp- it's like, yes, let's talk about these things. Cause these are, you know, these are, these are, important. These are our body parts. <laughs> right. I think if, you sh- if you're going to be having sex, you should be able to talk about these things, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I know that we are coming to our place in time, um, but if you had one piece of advice for a couple that was out there trying to conceive, what would it be? I always tell my patients like that we don't know why this baby wants to come in or when this baby wants to come in. Sometimes, you know, your, your baby could be the future president, could change the whole course of our, of our country. And it, but it wants to be born at a certain time. And it's sort of this idea of the, the, two, the love coming together and trusting in the time. I think timing becomes really scary for people. So it's like, you don't, you don't know when this child wants to come in. And we have to do deep trust, like we have to do deep love. So that would be my sort of advice. Deep trust, deep love. That's awesome. I think that's great. That reminder of we're not in control of time. Well, where can our listeners find you if they want to connect further? Um, you can go to my website, which is my name, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-I-E-S-N-E-R, deniseweisner.com. And that's a good place to find me and find about the book. Or, um, yeah, that's a good place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and to educate our listeners about how to reclaim their intimacy and for being so vulnerable and telling your story in the book, I think that that really helps the reader to get comfortable with what might be a highly uncomfortable subject for some. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I tried to put a little of me in there because, you know, it's hard sometimes for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a much needed book. I think it's going to help a ton of couples out there. So if you're listening, I highly recommend grabbing a copy of Conceiving with Love and reading a little in bed each night and sharing with your partner. I promise you and your partner will be pleasantly surprised about what comes up, pun intended. Uh, And if you want a a free chapter, you can get a free chapter before you commit. Um, You can do that if you go to the show notes for this podcast, which is ladypotions.com forward slash FM radio forward slash 74, or simply search Conceiving with Love on our homepage at ladypotions.com. That'll take you right to her homepage as well. So if you're out and about and you you don't have anything to write down with, you know where to find it. 
Um, you can also win a free copy of Denise's book if you follow me on Instagram at Lady Potions, the number four and the letter for the letter U. So Lady Potions for you. You'll find details to come on how to win a free book. So a huge thank you to all our listeners for giving us your greatest asset of your time and your attention. We truly hope this interview has piqued your interest on how to rekindle the fire. Thank you so much, Denise. Thank you so much. You're doing great work. You too. Thanks for listening to Fertile Minds Radio, hosted at www.ladyportions.com, where you'll find past episodes, show notes, and free meditations. If you've benefited from what you've heard, leave a comment or review so it makes it easier for others to find this valuable wisdom. Let's help elevate each other. Thanks for listening.